Today on the show, we're talking about commuting. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney, I'm joined with Trevor, and thank you so much for being here with us today as we talk about commuting. Is commuting a problem or is it just a fact of life? That question is one that we're going to be debating today. Yeah, I think, you know, commuting affects almost everybody. I'll say everybody except retired people. So students, that they commute to school. Uh, obviously, working people commute to work. Uh, even people who volunteer have to get to and from home. So I, I think commuting touch, touches most of our audience. But before we get into our episode on community today, we have two listener emails we want to answer here on the podcast. So they are both pertaining to our last episode on cell phones. So we'll go through each and kind of answer and address um, the content that these two listeners included in their emails. So the first is from Fred. And Fred is from Kitchener, Ontario. Thank you so much for listening, Fred, and tuning in every week and, and offering us your feedback on this episode. Yeah, Fred. He he. In his email, he wrote that he's he's uh, took advantage of, and I didn't realize. So he he switched to public mobile. It sounds like uh, a while ago, and he uh, took advantage of a, a sale they had a Black Friday sale. Which uh, so I'm new to public mobile. We talked about that on our last show, and I didn't realize they had promotions. Their prices are so good. Again, we're not being sponsored by public mobile. No affiliation in any way. We're I'm just a fan of any great deal to be had. And uh, one thing Fred did in his email is he called me out uh, on, on our last show. I I went iPhone crazy and I, I'm not afraid to admit, I, I'm an Apple fanboy. It's just who I am. But I, I, we, I, we never really spoke about the, the, the opportunity to save money on getting a low cost Android phone. So if anyone is not familiar, Android is the Google operating system for cell phones. And so he's right. And, and I'm glad he called me out on that because th- that was a huge oversight on my part. And so I did a bit of searching and it turns out, it, you know, for instance, on Staples website, you can get unlocked smartphones for, again, we're not affiliated with Staples in any way. It's just one place I happen to look for uh, uh, $200, $300. You can get what looked to be very functional Android smartphones. So you could get into the smartphone market for uh, a very low cost if you went the Android route. And again, I'm glad he, he somebody called me out on that because I, I can't believe I, I put the blinders on and went iPhone crazy. You are, like you said, such an iPhone fan. So it's, it's understandable. And Fred actually included the one of the final lines in his email, which I really like. And it's, my point is simply this. I may want a Lexus, but a Camry will do me just as well and save me lots of money. And that's so true. And we can even look at the iPhone as the Lexus of phones and the Camry as a more affordable, get the job done kind of phone. So Fred, thank you so much again for your email. We uh, we loved hearing from you and your, your comments again were super, uh, super informative and, and we loved the research and the passion that uh, was included in your email. So thank you for that. Our next email is from Mac and it is again on our cell phone episode. Yeah, so Mac writes in to tell us that uh, he switched from one of the big three providers to public mobile. Uh, him and his wife did, and they saved a ton of money. I mean, uh, he quotes some dollar figures in here, and the, the savings is just astronomical. 
He and he has a really great line in here. Um, I'll just read it to uh, you, our listeners. And it is, um, it's really remarkable how much money people spend on such a thing as cell phones. Something which might seem insignificant when compared to buying a TV or even a car, but year over year, the cost of owning a cell phone can add up to huge amounts. So, and and that is so true. You know, if you give someone a cell phone as a gift, that's the gift that keeps on taking because there's the there's the, the operating cost of that phone. And I think that's the point he's getting at is the, the phone up front is not, you know, uh, it may be an insignificant, insignificant number to, to people, but the cost of operating that phone every year, it, it can add up to a big dollar dollar value. And we say on the show all the time that the big wholesale life decisions and behaviors are really what's going to, to set you in the right track. And Matt makes a, such a good point that a cell phone really is a it's a it's a huge piece. I mean, it's it's little, but it, it plays a huge role in and getting you that much closer to your, your end goals. Yeah, definitely. And so I just want to thank Fred and Matt for writing in. Those were they were very uh, lengthy emails, well written, well thought out, and they really uh, passed on a lot of information to us. And it was we really appreciate that. So Trevor, let's get into today's show and as we let in, it's about commuting. And I guess to our listeners, we wanted to do this episode today because I'm sure you can all really empathize with the fact that we spend a lot of time commuting. I mean, work takes up so much part of our day. And I mean, we don't commute just for work. We commute for school and for for extracurriculars and other things like that. But commuting alone does take up a lot of time. Yeah, it's a big part of everyone's life. I mean, it at the beginning of the show, you said it is a problem or is it a fact of life? I, I think for, you know, there's there's certain scenarios where, you know, people are are not exposed to commuting. But for the most part, I think this touches everybody. So to lead off this episode, let's touch on a little bit of the stats. Because I think for an episode like this, when we talk about commuting, there's there's a lot of time that usually is associated with commuting. So to lead in, um, for anyone who lives in the biggest kind of cities of Canada, got Montreal, Trent, Toronto, Vancouver, Ottawa, I'm sure you you're aware of how much time, how much time you're in traffic. I mean, those are big cities. Yeah, it, you know, in any of those cities, if you spent any time, you're it, in the morning and in the evening. It's nothing but cars. So I mean, people, I think anybody in Canada's major cities can relate to the 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 burden of commuting. And I, I find it amazing that Canada has such, uh, such because we're such a vast country, it's it's amazing that we do have our very populated um, centers. So, so in Ontario, it's a very populated area, highly congested. And I think that's something very unique to Canada's landscape. Well, one of the, I, I read this, this stat, it's in the book, The Wealthy Renters, where I read it, it's kind of unrelated to commuting, but in there, the talk about a, stati- a statistic that fifty-five percent of Canadians live in uh, metropolitan cities. So over half of Canadians live in congested areas. So I think commuting is is you know real for a lot of people. I f- I found a great article and I I just want to read it out because it lists the commuting times um based on specific parts of specific cities. So this is actually from Workopolis and it is uh it's from it's from this year so it's current. And uh this con- it's consensus data from Stats Canada and 
it lists the average commute time. So uh, the first one is Toronto with an average commute time of 32.8 minutes. Oshawa is number two with an average commute of 31.8 minutes. Montreal with 29.7 minutes. Barrie, 29.6. Vancouver is number five with 24.4 minutes. Calgary is 27 minutes. Hamilton is 26.9. Ottawa Gatineau is 26.3 minutes. And Ottawa in Gatineau area is 26.2 minutes. So, I mean, the highest in there, it looks like, is uh, is Barrie, 29.6, which which makes sense because that's uh, heading into Toronto. But, I mean, those are all relatively close to half an hour. Yeah, I was shocked that most of them are Ontario. I was shocked with Oshawa, which is an odd... Odd one to make that list, really, given the population of Oshawa. To any of our listeners out there, I mean, do you do you find that you face realistically thirty one minutes of commuting if you're leaving Oshawa and heading in Toronto? Because I'd like to I'd like to know that. And the funny part is, and it, this really supports what we're saying about the congested parts of Canada. I mean, commute times are uh, under twenty minutes essentially if you move outside of the really core um, areas such as Toronto and Ottawa. I mean, you have Thunder Bay with seventeen minutes, uh, Regina with seventeen point three minutes, um, Moncton is seventeen point two minutes, Saskatoon is nineteen minutes, and Kingston is twenty. So you really see kind of the difference. And I mean, every one of those minutes count, especially, I mean, traffic and construction and all of that included. Those are precious minutes that you are, you're definitely consuming when you're commuting. I think the other thing to consider is you get into some of these uh, large, uh, densely populated areas and you throw one accident into that mix, just one or one stalled car. And uh, so these are averages, but over the course of a year, you, you might, have had a you know multiple days of of one hour commutes where it, it may have normally taken 30 so it or 20 or, or a lower number so if you get into the less populated areas statistically speaking you're less likely to be you know ha- have that that commute that commute time becomes more and more consistent so these averages i mean there's all probably a lot of peaks and valleys in there so I listed off a ton of numbers there. And again, those numbers will be in our our show notes because there were quite a few. But if you notice, they were all relatively, if we average it out, about 30 minutes. So we'll take this 30-minute number. And another article, um, again, it'll be in the show notes, kind of takes that 30-minute interval and multiplies it by the number of times you'll, you'll do that 30-minute trip. So if you work five days a week and you are commuting for 30 minutes – just to put that into perspective, so that's one hour per day, five hours per week, 20 hours per month, and this one is the, the one that shakes me, 240 hours per year or 30 work days per year. Yeah, that's like a month every year that you spend uh, driving to and from work. It's it's crazy. And I, I think, and that right there, that statistic right there is why we thought it was so valuable to create a show on commuting because, I mean, 30 workdays is nothing to sneeze at. That's that's a lot of time. Yeah, if you if you could get that back or some of that back uh, or utilize that time, it could really make a difference in someone's life. So we are a Canadian podcast, but uh, in this article think, think in, from thinkinsure.ca, they actually list the commuting times just to compare it to the U.S. And... 
one that was kind of shocking is is this uh this one actually has says that it takes there's a 42 minute commute time um to toronto which is actually more than the commute time um, in New York, which is 40 minutes. And I mean, New York is definitely such a populated city. Well, there's as many people in New York City as there is in the province of Ontario, just as a perspective. So, so it, it kind of speaks to the, 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 the road system and the public transit system that we have in Toronto compared to New York City. I, I would have to say we're, we're, we're falling behind based on these stats. So because we are kind of, a, we're a podcast that dedicates ourselves to thinking outside the box, being alternative, this episode is definitely going to really look at kind of your options when it comes to commuting. I mean, we have to work. That's that's a fact. But what can we do to minimize what goes into commuting? So I we're going to get into this by just leading off with just understanding, Trevor, what is your commute what does it look like now what did it look like in the past so just for perspective i've commuted uh 50 minutes a day at one point in my life and i currently commute about eight minutes so just you know i would say i i i can speak to a spectrum of commuting over the course of my life so and i've also commuted in heavy traffic and and just long distances with no traffic which is a diff- completely different experience so my my experience has been uh so for the last 20 years i've been commuting about six to eight minutes to work depending on the, how many stoplights i incur which, which has been an incredible luxury and there's a downside to that in that you you get very little separation between work and home so that's sort of one of the things i've experienced and my long commute uh, from for 50 minutes, which was uh, just a great distance with very little traffic, uh, it was it was relaxing from one perspective, and it was you know when you get into w- winter driving conditions, it was very stressful at other times of the year. So I've ha- and I've also I've taken the bus at one point in my life. I I and if you think of going to school as commuting, I, I used to walk. So you know I, I've I think I've experienced, I've also taken the train. So I've experienced various forms of commuting and various distances. So Courtney, what would be uh, your experience on, in commuting? I I grew up in a small town. So for me, commuting to school, just to start off there, it just involved my parents dropping me off or eventually I, I drove with my siblings. So, so that, and again, that was only a five minute drive. So it it was it, that was nothing and it, i was i was grateful for how close i lived um but then i moved to to a bigger city for school and i and i and then i took the bus and when not i mean being a student i don't have a car so taking the bus it just became a way of life and and it wasn't a pain it was actually it just it was a fact i took the bus that was my only mode of transportation but just this past year, I actually moved closer to the downtown core and then closer to the school that I sadly no longer go to. But I still really appreciate um, how closer I am. So that is one thing I do want to mention. I, I do want to say about commuting is that I think perspective is super important because I think I think you can take advantage. You can take for granted, I mean, of how maybe short your commute is. I mean, Trevor, eight minutes. That's amazing. Yeah, you know, I do check in with reality periodically. I 
So if if I've say had a bad day at work, and I'm maybe even a late, a long work day, so I'm leaving work late, I'll turn on the radio, and tune it into my closest city, which happens to be Toronto, and I will listen to the traffic report, and and take some, you know, comfort in knowing that, uh, you know, I I don't have that in front of me on top of a bad work day. So I. Uh, I hate to take comfort in in other people's misery, but it, it it helps me put things into perspective. I want to move now on to talking about the cost of commuting. And I say cost in quotes because we we tend to associate cost with money, but when it comes to commuting, commuting specifically, there's a lot of different costs that can be taken into consideration because as as important as money is, there's also there's others. So we've kind of broken it down into three main costs. So time, money, and emotional, psychological, physiological well-being. Yeah, so so time can be converted into money quite easily. You know, everyone knows what they get paid. And if you do the math on, on obviously, your commuting time, you can figure out what that's actually costing you in time. But you can also look at it as the time you're not with your family. So I knew when I had a very short commute when my kids were young, and one thing I, I I was able to do because of that was I was able to attend a lot of their extracurricular activities after school because I, I could be home so quickly at the end of the workday. And I I look back and I, 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 I took it for granted at the time, but now I see other younger parents while I work, you know, r- rushing out of work at the end of the day and, you know, they'll mention they're going to see their kid's hockey game or their kid's soccer game. And it kind of puts a smile on my face because I, I remember that. And I I really, I, I, I did take it for granted. But looking back, I, I'm so glad I had that opportunity. So Trevor, you, you bring up the fact that you were grateful that you were able to live close so that you could spend time with your children and really be involved in their life. And I guess I want to be kind of that skeptical listener right now that it might be might be a little bit angry that they don't have that same opportunity. So for you, what was, what was, I guess we, we all value different things. So for you was, that was, that was, that was something that was important to you getting a job that was close to your home because that family time is so important. Actually, no, that, that was pure, a purely accidental benefit. That was not, nothing. I actually, I didn't realize that until I would say I, I my kids were fully grown and I look back and I think of all the activities I was able to, to watch and participate in. It was only when I connected the dots after the fact that I realized, wow, that was one of the benefits I never really factored in. You know, I, I wish I would have uh, appreciated that, you know, at the time, but I just sort of took it for granted. So no, it wasn't a, a deliberate decision and it wasn't part of the reason I'm going to move close. To, you know, I get a job where I'm, I'm close to home. It was purely, I I just didn't want the burden of commuting. So back into the cost of commuting. So there's money, the money's another one. How does, how does that really come into play? So if you forget your time, the, the, just the cost of commuting would be, you know, the, the mode of transportation you've chosen. And and for most people in Canada, I'm going to say it's a car, a vehicle. So you've, you've got the, the cost of the vehicle and and we've done an episode on cars. You know, a brand new car depreciates at a, at an alarming rate at the beginning. And also, you've got your fuel expense. And right now, 
I think fuel is, is I mean, we were paying, I think a buck 60 a liter at one point and it's down, but it, everyone knows it's, it's going to go back up to that point, up to that level at some point. So fuel is a real cost. The other one is insurance. So insurance costs for a vehicle are, a lot of times you have to, you know, tell your insurance company the distance that you commute and that will impact your premium. So the longer you commute, the more your insurance is going to be, generally speaking. Uh, one, so I, I just want to, so, so the cost of the, the your your vehicle is, is, for most people, that's the cost of your commuting in terms of dollars and cents. And I'd like to take a moment to talk about something I've seen that really bothers me. And so if I, again, I don't get on the highway to commute, but if I happen to be on the highway at, at say, 7 in the morning uh, and I see a, a pickup truck going down the road at 7 in the morning, it's not towing anything, and there's nothing in the back of the truck. They're commuting to work, and it's a brand-new truck. So here's somebody. They've taken a $65,000 truck, and they're driving it just like a car, and they're driving, based on where I live, I mean, if you're on the highway, you're driving at least an hour to get to another town. So they're driving at least an hour to get to work in a, in a you know, at least a $65,000 truck. And I think that is just, you know, in terms of seeking financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices, I mean, that that is, if you fix that alone, if, if you're doing that now and you, you, you correct that to, to buying something economical, something uh, practical for the purpose of commuting, that alone is going to move the needle in your financial well-being. But Trevor, what about people, what about our listeners out there who have trucks because they need to have a truck to tow something such as an RV or, or, or a trailer? So if, if that's, if that's you in, in camping is super important to you and your family and, and you just, you cherish it, then add the wear and tear of commuting on, on, of that, with that truck to work to the cost of your camping expeditions, you know, that that that's just inflating the cost of what camping is to you. Add that cost to it, not to your commuting, add it to your camping. Cause if you didn't need it for that, tra- that trailer, you wouldn't own it. Then that's what camping costs you for the, the two weeks a year you take that thing on vacation or maybe even four weeks a year. So, so you're, you're the rest of the year, you're driving it like a car and, and, and you know, paying for that depreciation and, and, you know, I mean, trucks, they've, they're making them more and more fuel efficient, but you're paying more in, in gas. I, I think in the trucks have these huge tires. So you're, when you replace your tires, it's going to cost that much more. I, I just think if you factor that into the cost of camping, camping becomes a very expensive proposition. So you're, you're saying that our listeners should sacrifice sacrifice something they enjoy doing just to save on their vehicle costs and their commuting costs. So here's a scenario, for instance, in the small town I live in, if there's a, you know, a husband and wife that, that I know, generally only one of them uh, has employment in our little town. You know, the rest, the other person in the family has to commute. So if you've got two people, let the person who works locally drive the truck and the person who works out of town drive a very fuel efficient car you know that there's a compromise that that would would work i'm still against sixty five thousand dollar trucks but if you have to have one there's a scenario i could somewhat live with 
But I think at the end of the day, that individual or that listener has made the conscious decision to purchase that truck to make camping with an RV or or make pulling a trailer a priority. So maybe maybe financial independence at the earliest possible point is not as much of a priority to that individual's enjoying the moments that that truck and therefore camping brings. And who am I to to rob somebody of that enjoyment? I mean, so that would be a deliberate lifestyle choice. But what I would say to that is you probably need to make a an offsetting deliberate lifestyle choice somewhere else in your life, like uh, da- you know, ramping down your your the size of your home or the the amount, number of home improvements you do, or some other aspect of your life would have to be offsetting that enjoyment you're getting out of that truck. The last point here under cost of commuting is emotional and physical and psychological well being. Yeah. So if anybody who's ever sat in traffic, say in uh, I, I'm going to pick a highway in Toronto, the Don Valley Parkway. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have heard of it, if, if not been on it. I mean, if you get stuck on that highway, and it, it's basically a highway that goes down the center of the city, and there's no shoulders to that, that highway. There's no shoulders that a car could pull off on. So if there's an accident on the Don Valley Parkway, it rarely takes up one lane. It, it, by the time the emergency vehicles get there, it's taken up two lanes. And so you have one lane of traffic. That, so you got three lanes that are trying to get through one one lane passageway passes action and of course everyone's stopping to take a look right who doesn't do that and that even slows things down even more and that kind of thing happening on any frequency is going to ramp up someone's stress level because everyone's got somewhere they've got to be and when you're in in a traffic now with things like smartphones and you're you're getting uh, more and more traffic reports you you know what's up ahead of you, so at least you know why you're waiting. Sometimes that's comforting, but that 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 the stress that adds to someone's life is is, and it's it's not being in the traffic. It's it's needing to be somewhere else that's stressful, and I think that takes its toll. I don't think, and I know there's people that they maybe they tell me you'll you'll get conditioned to it. I don't know that I want to get conditioned to that, but as a compensating factor, some things you know, you could do to distract yourself from, from things like that. Or you can listen to things like a podcast, like this podcast. I'm sure a lot of people listen to our podcast while they commute to work. Um, another thing I'm a huge fan of is audiobooks. I mean, now the problem with an audiobook is it can, it can maybe over distract you and maybe you're not paying attention to driving. So you have to be cognizant of those things. But uh, generally speaking, I, I think commuting has a very negative impact on people emotionally, psychologically, and also physically, I mean, if you're sitting for an you know an hour a day, that's an hour you're not getting any exercise, or you're, you know, you might be stiffening up. I mean, whether you're sitting in a car or sitting in on a couch at home, I mean, they're both sitting. It's it's the same negative effect on your health. So, I think it's it's a real concern. Along those lines, uh, the article from thinkinsure.ca lists some other very similar health effects that commuting can have. So, I mean, you touched on uh, sitting still, but I mean, neck and back issues, if you depending on how long you're sitting for, and day after day, I mean, that adds up. And I mean, if you flip that on its head, and we're going to talk about this later, but if you were able to walk to work instead of drive, not only would you eliminate those those you know, physical burdens of sitting for that long, but you would, you would flip that completely 360 degrees 
and you, you'd be gaining the benefits of walking. So it's, it's, it's significant. One very intriguing one, and I, I like your perspective on this, Trevor, because it, it kind of, I mean, I, this, this is one about marriage, so I'm not, I'm not married, but it's, it's interesting, and it's that long commute, commutes increase your chance of divorce by 40%. And I think I, I could see where that could play in. Just say one, you have a, a couple, a husband and a wife, and one person commutes and the other person doesn't. So the person that doesn't, they can pretend they understand that stress, you know, they can pretend they understand that that other person has to get up an hour early in the morning because it takes them an hour to get to work. And you can, you can even sympathize, but unless you're doing it, unless you've, you're, you're, you've done it or you're doing it, I don't think you, you, you have a full understanding. So I can see a, a communication breakdown or, you know, one, one uh, partner might feel the other one's not pulling their weight where the other one thinks, you know, well, I, I I'm, I have you know, two hours of commuting. So why would you expect me to, to deliver the same effort around the house? You know, I could see where that a relationship could start to fall apart. I don't know if there's a solution to it other than that, you know, in any relationship, the best thing you do is try to understand your partner's perspective always, you know, always try to see the world through your partner's eyes. Uh, but I could see that being a, a huge statistic that that could impact that for sure. Another one, and I mean, this one makes sense, is increased weight. Well, like I was saying, if you're not, if you're, you know, driving and you're not walking is an alternative. I, I mean, whether you're sitting on the couch, sitting in your car, you're not getting exercise. And the other thing is, I, I've seen a lot of people do this. They're eating while they're driving. So it, it, it's kind of compounding the whole thing. And if we factor into that, that maybe you have to get up earlier and you don't, if you wake up late, you don't have time to make a, a nutritious breakfast, you might pick up something on your way. Well, yeah, convenience foods, right? That's a, so you, you might be eating donuts on your way to work in your car rather than a, a wholesome uh, bowl of cereal or something, you know? So definitely uh, the, the convenience foods are probably more common for commuters, I, I would guess. And the last notable one is poor sleep. And we all know that, I mean, poor sleep, I guess, comes into play because you might have to wake up earlier to make that commute. But sleep is so important. Studies after studies show that. And I mean, if we're not functioning with that and, and factor in two, I mean, if you're driving and, and you're and you're a little bit groggy and sleepy every day, that, that's going to that's going to put you and everyone else at risk as well. Yeah, that that's definite. But, you know, people are trying to, you know, if you again, if you have one partner who doesn't commute and one that does, it's important for that partner that doesn't commute to to respect that 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 the other partner needs to get to bed sooner. And and I'm not in that situation, but I could see where that could affect your sleep, right? If if everyone's not respecting the fact that you have to get up an hour earlier to get to work. So, Trevor, we've spoken this far to driving as a main form of commuting, but, I mean, it would be crazy if we didn't mention all of the other ways that commuting to work or to school uh, really happens. You know, and, and just talking about that, if you have multiple ways to commute to work or school, if you, if you have multiple options, that is a huge luxury. What that does is that takes an element of stress out of your life. So let's just say you do own a car, and you generally drive to work. But you, you, where you live in, in, in a city, you also have the option of taking the bus. So now, if your car doesn't work, it doesn't start in the morning, or the driving conditions are horrible, 
if taking the bus is an option, that's one less stress in your life. You know, you got you've got options, and, and taking a bus in a, in a horrible storm, you know, that could if if you hate winter driving, think of the stress that would take out of your life. And then just say you could walk too. I mean, all, obviously it's going to take you longer to walk. It's probably going to take you longer to take the bus. But if these are options, if these are things you can do, imagine, you know, it's a it's a beautiful day and, and you decide to walk to work because you can. You know, that that just walking alone is so uh, peaceful. You, you don't have traffic to deal with. I mean, those things are are luxuries that most people don't have. But if you have those, I say utilize them and, and actually practice them, you know. So if in the back of your mind, you know, I, I could take the bus to work if I had to, but you never did, then it, it's really not an option. I would say, you know, make a point of once a month or once every two weeks, take that bus just, just so you know nothing's changed. You know, the bus route hasn't changed. You know exactly where to get it, the time that it comes at. So you, you make that that option real, not not just some sort of, you know, what if scenario and, and maybe, and also the, the length of time it takes to get to work, you know, so you're just checking in to make sure nothing's changed. So it still becomes a real option that you can count on. And if, if walking is also an option, obviously that's going to take longer. So, you know, maybe walk, you know, periodically, if not nothing else for exercise, but just to, you know, reiterate to yourself that, yeah, I can do this and I know what time I have to leave at. And I think those are, uh, I, I've never had those luxuries, but I guess I kind of have, but I've never utilized them. I wish I had. So I, I think those are are really important luxuries that people should, you know, you, you might even have them those options and you don't even know. So Trevor, let's go through these options. We'll kind of list them all off and talk about them. And then to any of our listeners who maybe don't have these options available, we're going to later in the show kind of talk about the pros and cons of making these options available to you and, and how much of a priority that is to you and, and, and maybe and maybe it's not. So I'm going to list them off and then we'll kind of go through, break them down, talk about them, the pros and their cons. So we have driving, obviously we've talked about, walking, biking, ride sharing. So there's a couple different options in there as well as public trans- transportation, which again has a, a couple different options in there as well. So, um, driving, is there anything, Trevor, that we haven't said about driving that you, that you feel makes it a viable or, or deviable option? I think driving really is, in most people's eyes, it's convenience. You know, it's in your driveway. Uh, you, maybe you have a parking lot at work. So it, it represents convenience at, at its highest level. But I, I think there, I think for all the convenience it does have, there are so many cons. I mean, parking, um, parking, I would say oh, it, parking is a big one. Yeah. Now, but parking, I mean, if parking is a real significant, a real significant consideration, it, it's probably the most costly. Like if you're parking in downtown Toronto on a regular, like uh, five days a week, I mean, that's a real number. And, and then you got things like, uh, uh, a toll toll highways. I mean, those are a real cost that add up in a hurry. So, I mean, the, the obvious, the the, po- the only positive in driving is the convenience. The negatives we could go on all all day, but uh, it, it, I guess, a, a car represents multiple purpose things. Like, I mean, you use it outside of getting to work. It's a tool that you manage the rest of your 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 maybe your family life with, like getting groceries, getting your kids to and from activities, visiting friends. So, cars serve a lot of purpose, but from a commuting standpoint, it, it's 
it's pure convenience, uh, probably the highest cost. The next, the next one I want to touch on is walking. And thanks to our lovely Canadian climate where we experience the severity of all four seasons, I definitely think with, with walking, especially to work, there, there can definitely be a good walk and a bad walk. Yeah, so a good walk is a, a walk that you choose. It's generally a, a, you know, a, a recreational walk through a park or something, right? Um, my son, he, he worked in a downtown city over the summer. And he, and through, actually, he worked for a whole 12 months in a, in a co-op. And he uh, started out uh, busing to work. And he would see people, and the bus was, would get into heavy traffic, and he'd see people passing the bus as they walked. And then he started walking to work, and he realized it took the exact amount, the same amount of time to walk to work as it did to bus to work, the added benefit of exercise. So for him, it took no more time to walk than to bus. And I, I think this is a good spot to say that this is a luxury, walking to work, being that close. I mean... But I recently started a new job, but my job before, I loved it. I had, a, I had a 10 to 15 minute walk. And I do like the walk because you can kind of control how fast you'll get there. And you don't have to, you don't have to think about traffic. You just have to think about how fast your feet can get to your end destination, which is nice. And you're not at the mercy of, of the public transit schedule, right? You're on your own schedule. You, you know, you, you don't have to be at a certain spot at a certain time because that adds stress, right? If you, obviously you can't be late, but if you're walking, you could, you know, walk faster, you could walk slower. So, and you maybe grab a coffee on your way. You're more in control. So walking in a way is a lot like driving because you're not on someone else's schedule. I mean, Trevor, you have an eight minute drive, but what does that equate to in walking distance and time? Yeah. So, you know, so when some people say they you know have a 30 minute drive or a, a 10 minute drive a lot of times that's you know either through a lot of traffic or through no traffic at all so my eight minute drive has zero traffic in it so it's actually be like a 30 minute walk maybe even 35 minute walk because there's literally it's literally constant driving there's there's almost no stopping in between where somebody where the walk I was describing my son was on he lived right downtown so to drive that I mean it was more stop than go so whereas if you're walking it's all go so he, his walk was only 15 minutes whereas my walk would be 30 or 35 minutes so i mean to, to spin it around to pretend that your son's only way to get to work was um was walking like there was no bus and I'm, I'm sure some of the days where it was um cold canadian winter that was a less pleasant walk so the fact that he had options probably made that walk a little bit more, more little. It made probably made it better because he knew that he could jump onto a warm bus if, if if he decided that it was too cold that day. But I think I think at times I think it's important to highlight that if walking is your only way, if you don't have a car, if if another way of transportation isn't really um, economical or or in in your realm of options, I think it could impact how enjoyable that walk is. Yeah, that's actually the epitome of a good walk and a bad walk is if, if you're walking by choice, not by by default. So the next point is biking. Yeah, so if anybody's read, uh, we've talked about this before, the Mr. Money Mustache. He, it's a personal finance blog. Uh, I highly suggest everybody who listens to the podcast re- read his stuff because it is is fabulous. But one of the things he, he did, and he's a huge proponent, is is biking to work, like commuting. And he literally did it. And he did it in 
so he's from the United States. He did it in Colorado where they have winter and they have snow and he biked to work. Now that's pretty hardcore. And I, so some people, the biggest argument I get from people who, and I, I, for the record, I have biked to work, but the biggest argument I get from people about biking to work is, Oh, I'll be all sweaty when I get there. Well, if you leave yourself enough time, you can pedal uh, at such a leisurely pace. You won't even generate any heat. And I've done this. So if you leave enough time, so let's just say it takes me, I don't know, 30 or 20 minutes to bike to work uh, under normal biking exertion levels. If I give myself 40 minutes, you know, to pedal and coast and pedal and coast, I could make it there and, and not even be warmed up at all. And people say, well, what benefit are you getting from it? Well, what I would do is I'd switch out my clothes to biking clothes on my ride home. And then I might I would bike really hard and get some exercise. So on one way, one direction of my trip, I was just sort of coasting and just to get there. On the way home, I was biking really hard and getting my exercise in. So that was super beneficial. I, I really enjoyed that. A couple of times I would get caught where I would bike to work and then it would rain in the afternoon and I would have to bike home in the rain. There's a downside to that for sure. But you know, the, you can, I've heard all the excuses why you can't bike to work. It's too far. Uh, I, I have an office job. I have to wear a suit. I mean, I, I have a job where I have to dress up and I, I'm able to change at work. There's a washroom, you know, I go in there and change. So it can be done. And, uh, there's plenty of websites too, that will squash every single, uh, in Canada, any, any, every single reason you come up for not commuting, there is an, an, uh, an argument. So I, I think it's very doable. Again, it, it has to be a good ride. So, so long there's a car in the driveway that you could have drove, then biking becomes a good, a positive experience. If you're biking because you don't own a car, I've never been there, but you know, if you're doing it in bad weather, it might be a real bad experience. What I really took away from all of that was biking is effort. What you're doing, you're you're adding you're adding extra. Again, you if you left early, if you had to take a change of clothes, all that takes effort. But I, I think it, what it sounds like is that when you kind of weighed all of the costs of commuting, that your your investment of a little bit of extra time really came away with um, some health benefits. Well, not only that, you know, the one thing that my eight commute eight minute commute doesn't do, it doesn't give me this separation from a, a bad day at work to getting home. You know, I, I don't get that, that, that cool down period. But when I rode my bike, I did. And, you know, I'd put music in my ears and, and all my problems of the day would fade away. And then by the time I got home, I'd come in, take a shower, eat supper, and I'd feel great. I, I, I think it, it took effort, but the benefits, you know, it, I didn't know the benefit of that I was going to gain about this separation from work, you know, that, that, that 20 minute, uh, you know, clear my head time that, that maybe some people spend in a car. I got to do that on a bike. I didn't count on that benefit, but that benefit was real. I mean, it made a difference. So I, I, and I know that when I, when I do have a, when I anticipate a bad day at work, I will often take my bike knowing I'm going to get that benefit at the end of the day. The next um, option for commuting is ride sharing or t- or being in a vehicle with uh, multiple other people. Yeah, this is 
Good. So I, I live in this town, sort of in the middle of nowhere, and about an hour uh, toward Toronto is a, a General Motors factory, and there's a bunch of people that live in this town and work at General Motors, and they will, you know, one guy will buy a van, you know, an, an eight-passenger van, and uh, everyone will sort of pay him money to, to, and they'll all drive in together. And when I talk to those guys, uh, there's, I don't know if I could do that. I mean, it, it, it financially, it would make a lot of sense. I, I guess I could, you know, under the circumstances they, they save the wear and tear on their cars. Uh, they, they don't have to drive in the, the whole, well, obviously one guy has to drive, but the other people don't. So it, it, it's good and bad. I, I don't know how it would work. And maybe our listeners could shed some light on this. You know, what happens if somebody has to work late? You know, does does everybody have to wait until that person's done? Or, or what happens when somebody has to start early? I, I, do they drive in by themselves? I, I don't know that. I'm sure they've sort of ironed out all those details. But you you add an element of other people's schedules to your, your already hectic schedule. So that would be the downside. So obviously, the upside is that you're going to save money, right? You're sharing the cost of fuel, the cost of the vehicle. So there, there's definitely, and then you get these HOV lanes in the city where only a high occupancy vehicles can be in them. So you, you generally, you, you can pass a lot of traffic. So that, that's an added benefit. I mean, and it's also great for the, the, uh, the environment, right? You're, 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 you got more people in one car, you're, you're burning less fossil fuels. So it, it's probably all upside other than you, you have to, you add the complexity of multiple people's schedules. So that, that's the only downside, I guess, to that. Another option, and it's it's one that's up and coming because uh, thanks to Uber is Uber Pool, and I've I read a little bit about Uber Pool when it first kind of came out in the paper, and but I, to any of our listeners, I'd love to hear your experiences with it. And Uber Pool is essentially an Uber, which is um, the equivalent of a of a cab or a taxi, but with um, with multiple people in it. So I, I guess it would just stop along the way and pick people up, but. It, I would love to hear your experiences with that and if it was positive and if you enjoy it. I mean, I think the one, maybe the one con, depending on how far away you live from your work, is the 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 cost of that every single day. Yeah, I, I guess it would be cheaper than uh, doing a solo Uber uh, drive, right? You're, you're sharing the cost with other people. The last and probably the one that I'm the biggest proponent of is public transportation. So under this, we have subway, bus, and train. Yeah, so I, I, I haven't, you know, taken, I haven't got a lot of experience in busing. I know you do, so you probably got more to say about this than I do. Yeah, so I'm I'm a huge fan of busing. And I'm not just saying that because I have to say that because I busing is the only way, the only economical way to get to work or the only way that I could have got to school before or because I don't own a car. I genuinely love the busing system. I, I'm fortunate enough to live in a city that has an incredible public transit system. Um, it's, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, and and it, it's always on buses, it's always on time, and they really go everywhere in the city. So that's generally the reason I love busing. I mean, I'm sure in smaller towns and other cities, the busing is maybe has a negative connotation to it. But busing in my city, I love it. It's business professionals are on the bus students everyone so it's this it's this way that it's everyone gets around on it there's no stigma attached to it which is which is which makes it a very 
an option that everyone's willing to, t- to take on. So in a, in a small town, uh, busing, as you said, has a very negative uh, impact. You know, people view that very negatively, busing. It's, 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 you're busing because you have to, because you don't have any other options. I, I know um, I work with uh, people who have young kids that, that are, you know, I'd say like 13, 14 years old. And I hear them on the phone arguing with their, their kids that they will not take the bus under any circumstances. They will walk in the pouring rain before they get on a bus. So it really depends where you live uh, on your view of, of busing. I mean, for the town I live in, I think they have a pretty uh, pretty good busing system given the population. So it's you're right. It's all how it's viewed. If if people embrace it and a lot of people utilize it, then it's it's not looked at as a negative thing. And I I was I was having coffee with a friend this morning, and we were both kind of saying how the reason we're probably gonna both stay in this city for as long as we're going to is because it puts off needing a car. I mean, we have the Via Rail that that a via rail station here we have um we have the the greyhound so a busing system that can take you to other places and we also have an incredible busing system so for for any any listeners who are very i mean um money conscious which is why you are all here it, it kind of it kind of makes you i don't know it's it's definitely a drawing point to want to be in a city with great public transportation because it's a reason that kind of keeps you there well, if you can avoid the, the the burden and the cost of owning a car as long as possible, I mean, you're you're only gonna amass a lot of wealth. I mean, that if you can avoid that cost for, uh, you know, a, a significant part of your life, I mean, you could rent a car when you need to leave town. You know that for the the few times you might do that would not even come close to the cost of owning and operating a car. And it, it's funny that you mentioned that. I just just actually for Thanksgiving, I I went back home and I rented a car with a couple other people and it worked out so beautifully. So there always is a way around things and I mean yeah, for the for the few the via rail tickets can be expensive and renting a car can be expensive, but I mean if those are options that are there that I think every time will not surmount to the cost of owning a car for all those times that you're going to utilize um, specific, more expensive public transportation methods. Well, we're still talking about busing. Before we move on to other any other public transportation methods, there's an article from Reader's Digest. It's called Commuting Accounting. And there's a, a, from a Stats Canada survey, it says that there is a 47% level of dissatisfaction for public transit users. And as someone who loves public transit and our the busing system where I live, that number seems really high, but it kind of put into perspective how maybe unrealistic busing and, and other public transportation means can be for some people. So, I mean, it does sound like I'm living, I'm glamorizing our public transit system because, I mean, there are downsides to being on the bus. Do not get me wrong. I mean... There, there can be, the bus definitely holds uh, people who have their own conversations, who are loud, and, and maybe after a long day, you're not, you're not in the mental space to really be in the same space as people who are talking too loud or, or, or being, a, being a little bit too emotive on the bus. So yeah, there's definitely downsides, but I, I, but I think when you weigh the pros and the cons, public transportation really does um, equal out when you're looking at a money perspective. 
Trevor, I do want to ask you a question. Actually, I'll, I'll save my question until we get through the rest of the public transportation methods. So, so Trevor, let's jump on to the last two that I've listed here. And if, if I mean, to our listeners, if I, if there's more other forms of public transportation that you take, definitely let us know if we missed any. But the last two I'm going to lump together, and it's train and subway. If you think of a, a subway like the TTC, Toronto Transit Commission, that's a short-term train ride. And then you've got like the GO train, which... It, so the subway travels within a city and then you've got your, your train that it's, we have one in Ontario called the go train and it travels from town to town. And then you have something like the, the via rail, which is, is a, a train that travels even longer distances. It goes from major metropolis city to major metropolis city. So it, it, it moves a great distance. So the via rail is a very luxurious way to travel by train. I mean, you get a very comfortable seat and they serve you food if you're really going a long distance. And it, it's almost airplane-like experience, but it's very expensive. So it's th- that, that's one form of train. And I've, I've never taken the GO train to commute, but I, I've sort of drove by it when it's full of commuters. And there's, it's, it's normally standing room only in the peak of the commuting hour. And it does not look like a pleasant experience, just observing... And I've been on the subways, again, I haven't used it for commuting, but I've been in a city on a subway during commuting hours, and that is a not a pleasant experience. It's, it's. Uh, I mean, some people, you know, they, they know exactly where they're going, they know exactly what they're doing, but if you're a little, just even slightly disoriented or unsure of where you're going, it's a dangerous place to be. And there's not many smiles on those trains. I mean, people are... are eh, I I've yet to see a positive experience on the go train or or a subway train. It, it, I think it's it's an effective way of commuting. It, they move quickly. You know, you're not going to be stuck in traffic. You know, they 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 just it's a very predictable start and end time. So it, that's the positive is you, your your schedule is pretty rigid on on trains. I mean, you do have frozen tracks in the winter, and I mean they do have mechanical problems, but generally traffic and accidents are not going to be uh, part of your obstacle of getting there. So that, that would be the upside. Uh, Obviously in the winter, subways are great. It kind of keeps you off the surface streets in the bad weather. So there's a, there's positives and negatives to those, but I I can honestly say I haven't really used them for commuting. I have traveled by train for business. And one of the downsides is, you know, you get to the end of your train ride and you need a car to get, to where you're going like you're never that's never your final destination the train station obviously you're you're trying to get somewhere else even if you take the go train into the city that go train generally you need to move to another mode of transportation it might be walking it might be the subway it might be a bus so it's it it means more and more schedules that you have to adhere to so there's a lot of downsides but i mean there's if the alternative is driving maybe it's still probably maybe better you can do things like read books and talk to people, talk on the phone, things you can't do while you're driving. So, I mean, it serves a purpose in, in the in the world of commuting. If we were going to make a hierarchy of ways to commute, what do you what do you think that the, I mean, I personally think that driving would be at the top of that hierarchy, but, but what, what do you think? It should, and I guess my question is also rooted to, for all the money that you maybe put into specifically public transportation or ride sharing, do you think that could all be fueled into 
saving for a car or, or, or something related to driving, if that's at the top of the hierarchy? Well, you, you have to realize, though, the benefit of owning a car goes beyond commuting. I mean, you're going to use it in, in all aspects of your life. So having a car offers a great convenience. You know, no schedule but your own. You know, you can come and go as you please, when you please, for as long as you please. There's no limitations or restrictions. Uh, that comes at a cost, a huge cost. Now, I've owned a car most of my life, so I, I obviously, I'm, I'm a fan. But like we see in every show, you can't lose your mind with cars. You, you have to, you have to keep the cost reasonable and 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 minimize it in in every effort. And we talked about, you know, we had a show on buying used cars and I, I have this rant about $65,000 trucks I go on all the time. So if your car is strictly a mode of transportation, it, it, it offers a great deal of convenience that, that, that it's hard to match with any of these other forms of transportation. So it, I mean, I guess walking, if walking, if you lived right downtown in a city, right downtown, say Toronto or any of the major cities, I would say owning a car would be a huge burden and walking would be the ultimate mode of transportation. You know, a good pair of winter boots and a nice warm coat in the winter. I mean, you could go anywhere whenever you want, as long as you want. So it, it, a car is probably the most convenient for most Canadians, but, you know, walking, I, I think, would be the ultimate form of it. And, and if you pick the right place to live, Maybe that is the ideal form of transportation. So I want to move on to talking about kind of the flip side of the equation. This whole episode, we've been talking about commuting as a negative thing. But is there ever a time or scenario where minimizing your commuting isn't isn't always what you should be aiming for? Well, obviously, if most Canadians live in, in met- metropolitan cities, they, and we all know the cost of living in, in like Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, Calgary, the, the housing costs there are astronomical. And a lot of times, owning a home there is just not, a, not even an option for some people given, given their income. So living in the suburbs of those cities is the only option available if they want to own a home, which means maybe commuting makes sense, right? If owning a home is really important to you and you have to work in one of these metropolitan cities, one of you know Canada's most expensive cities, then commuting might be uh, make might make a lot more sense. Like I mean, you get paying to you know a million dollars for a, just a house in Toronto, and you you maybe pay half that in the suburbs. Well, you can do a lot of commuting for half a million dollars. So it's it's not it's not insane when when you look at the the difference in the price of housing. So if, if we do move on to, even if you are living in the suburbs, um, h- how can you minimize your costs of commuting? So what what kind of strategies do, do, would you say that would minimize the cost of commuting? Well, one thing would be if you could flex your hours, meaning if, if you didn't have to be to work when everybody else had to be to work. If, if your employer offered you the ability to, to, you know, to start at 10 o'clock in the morning instead of 9 o'clock in the morning. And then, of course, you wouldn't be finishing when, you know, everyone else is finishing at five, you'd be finishing at six. That would alleviate some of the congestion. Or if you could get in front of that, you know, you start earlier, you leave earlier. Those are some options. Also, 
you know, owning a, a really small economical car, something like a Honda Fit, you know, something that is super small, it, it burns almost no gas, you know, it's super fuel efficient. And ensuring those, those cars cost less, I mean, they're just a low cost option all around. I'm not that familiar with electric cars. I don't know how they stand up to everyday commuting. So I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on that. But uh, just making conscious decisions like that are, are, are going to, it's going to move the needle. Working from home is another one that I'd like to add into there. Yeah, I should, I should have mentioned that. So my wife worked from home for 20 years. Uh, and that, I mean, that so, some people, they, you know, they, maybe you need to be the office, but you need to be the office every single day. Or could you be at the office three days a week, work from home two days a week or vice versa, you know, work from work at the office two days a week, work from home three days a week. If that's a, a viable option, I mean, the savings is, is astronomical there for sure. And the other one would be some people work, uh, what's called continental shifts where they work four days on three days off and then three days on four days off. And what that would do is it means that if, if you could work four 12 hour days or four 10 hour days, that that's one less day you have to commute, you know? So if that's an option, you, you, you could also, you know, restructure your work day to, to be a four day week instead of a five day week. So Trevor, I think that brings us to the end of our episode on commuting. I mean, we've explored, we've explored, our commuting experiences, the costs of commuting from time, money, and health. We've looked at the options. And, and finally, how to minimize our commuting costs. To wrap this up, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? So I've said before, if, if you want to win at personal finance, if you want any kind of financial independence early in life, the things that are going to impact you is your house and your car. You know, those are the two big things that are really going to make a difference in your number. And it, commuting, is it touches both of those. So it, it, there's probably a happy medium. You know, somewhere you're, you're living not too far from, from your job, but not so close that your, your real estate costs are atrocious. And the vehicle you choose to drive to work, if you have a long commute, you're going you're gonna to use up a lot of cars over the course of your working life. You'll pick, a, pick a smart car. Don't, don't, don't lose your mind on on expensive cars that, that are going to be used and miled out just for the purpose of commuting. You need that, that, that's a huge opportunity to save money and make a difference in your financial life. On that note, that brings us to the very end of this episode. Thank you so much for being here with us this week as we debate the topic of commuting. On a side note, Trevor and I especially have independent Simple Money Solutions Instagram accounts. Um, mine is Courtney underscore Simple Money Solutions and Trevor's is Trevor underscore Simple Money Solutions where we post behind the scenes of what goes on in our lives when we are not here recording and talking to you guys. Thanks again for being with us and until next week, keep it simple. Simple.